This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, I'm going to tackle something that's on many of our minds, worker shortages. Whether it's restaurants or travel, we're seeing this all over the United States. The reasons may not be what you think. Speaking of travel, the airlines have screwed something up well before coronavirus hit. I'm going to go on my soapbox about something or get on my soapbox. Which is it, Krista? Go or get? Either one. You're going to hop up there. So people are kind of pithy about blaming the uh, worker shortage on this thing or that thing or the other thing. And people are talking with such certainty about something that there is no certainty. There's a belief on some people's parts that pandemic unemployment assistance has led to people basically saying, hey, why would I go work? They're paying me all this not to work. And I'm sure there are some people who have responded that way. But state by state, states have been ending PUA early. And in any case, PUA is going away this summer. So the labor shortages, though, are pretty widespread. And something that has not really been talked about is a lot of them predate the pandemic. And so we've got American Airlines having to cancel a ton of flights because they don't have enough workers. Restaurants not opening in an evening because not enough people showed up. This just happened to some relatives that went to a restaurant, and when they got there, they had a handwritten sign on the door, we're sorry, not enough people showed up to work today, we can't open. Can you imagine that? Because next time somebody's thinking of going to that place, they may not go because they're like, well, we went the other night and they they weren't even open. And factories, factories are begging for workers. Factory work, truth be told, is really, really hard. Oh, Chris, I was reading a story about what it's like to work in one of these lumber mills the danger, the hard work. I mean, no wonder lumber mills have a really hard time finding workers. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't survive a day in an environment like that. I'm too klutzy. But there's a factor that nobody seems to be talking about that is a part of all this, and that is we're an aging population in the United States. And a lot of the job categories that are short of workers are short of them because the supply of young people who so heavily may have filled restaurant jobs or retail jobs 
the demographics themselves of an aging population has led to shortages. And employers are responding like the marketplace would require. Employers are raising pay rates, but some of that just steals workers. One employer steals a worker from somewhere else. The workers benefit, but it means that employers are going to have to become more efficient in how they deliver the business they do. I know there's been some pushback about what I've said about the restaurant business, that restaurants are going to have to completely rethink how they do business. And a lot of restaurants that have done traditional table service aren't going to be able to do that anymore. And, you know, there are restaurants now that had traditional table service And I was at a steakhouse recently, and it's a mid-price restaurant. It's not not a low-price restaurant. And do you know, this is how I ordered. There was a thingy on the table, no menu. It was one of those thingies on the table where you take your phone and you scan it and you open up a menu. And the thing it took you to, you actually place your order on your phone. And the first time you see a server is when they bring you your beverages, alcoholic or non-alcoholic. And then they bring you refills of your drinks. They bring you your food. And you pay your bill on the phone. And this is a place that historically was a traditional table service restaurant. Average ticket per customer about probably about $20, $25. And they're dealing with a labor shortage by being able to stretch the workforce they have to work much more efficiently. Is it as personal? No. Is it more efficient? Absolutely. And we're going to see this in industry after industry where you'll have that experience. So my wife, this is funny. My wife flew American Airlines recently. And this is not a beat up on American segment, but it's kind of crazy, okay? So there was something wrong. She was having trouble checking in for her flight. And so she called American Airlines because it said she had to call them. So she calls and it says, no one's available, but we'll call you back in four hours. Four hours. And so she dutifully accepted that. And four hours came and went. And eight hours. And 12. And 16. Because she checked in 24 hours before her flight. 20. Never, ever heard from Americans. She laughs. She's still waiting to hear from them. Something special in the air. Anyway. (laughs) So she goes to the airport. And a nice woman where people were queuing asked each person, you know, why are you in line? And she said, oh, well, let's go over the terminal and put in your confirmation. Let's see if you can print your boarding pass now. She goes over the terminal, it prints the boarding pass. So whatever happened the day before, who knows? But that's not unusual. I called an airline recently that I have, um, because I used to fly so much, they grandfathered in my status and usually you call and they answer the phone like that 
So I call and I get a recording, and they said they'd call back in an hour and 20 minutes. About an hour and 40 minutes later, they did call back. But imagine what it's like if you don't have status with an airline. And this is happening all over the place, that we have part of this is the aging population. Another part is a lot of women, because of the pandemic, because caregiving of minor children overwhelmingly falls on women, a lot of women temporarily are out of the workforce. And yes, there may be some people because of PUA have not come back to work. We have structural issues in the United States based on the age, the absolute age of the workforce. That means businesses are going to have to come up with smarter, different ways of doing business to deal with labor shortages. And it is pretty obvious that workers, after being on the short end of the stick for uh, at least two generations with the paychecks, are going to be in a position for the foreseeable future to bid their pay up. And I know that's tough on a business owner, but it sure is great for workers. Okay, Clark, I'm going to start out with this one. It's a tough one from Christopher in California. He says, I'm 48 years old and in the worst bind of my life. I'm losing hope by the minute and don't know what to do. I've worked all my life and my wife, 10 years my junior, convinced me to relocate from North Carolina to California for her career. We sold our house and land, took the leap, and tragedy almost immediately struck once we arrived in California as she became ill. I work in film and I had to drop out of the workforce to take care of her full-time during five surgeries in four and a half years. I love her so it was an easy choice. She was still making six figures and working remotely so we were more than okay. Sadly, she suffered from so much trauma and stress. By the time COVID hit, our relationship was less than perfect. In February, without word or warning, she moved out and left me stuck in our California lease, jobless and without any funds to speak of. So at 48, I'm faced with a pending divorce, no income and ageism in the marketplace and feel utterly lost. How can I regroup and have hope? Christopher, gosh, I'm so sorry. And I I hear in your words, desperation and sadness. I mean, you, you said love present tense. You love your estranged wife and that's causing real heartache for you, real turmoil. In addition, you relocated to where you didn't want to live, living in California. I mean, this is brutal. Um, on the apartment lease, you don't have any funds. You are jobless right now. And I don't know why you, the way you're speaking, you're the only one on the lease. But it seems to me that you do need to break the lease regardless of the consequences. Because without funds and jobless, I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, As for the ageism in the marketplace, I want to tell you, have more hope about the job market. Uh, The field you're in, in uh, video production, there is a lot of production going on right now. You obviously have years of experience. And don't 
defeat yourself by believing because of your age and your 40s that they're not going to hire you. I, I think that's that you're too down on yourself because the marketplace needs workers right now, as I was just describing. And as busy as video production is and television, movies, and streaming, trying to catch up from the lack of production for such a period of time, your job prospects are probably better than you think. Even in California, which used to be the most important place in video production, and Georgia now the most important. There are productions in the Carolinas where you came from. So please don't give up on yourself. I know you're short of funds, but it feels very strongly to me that you need to have some counseling. And there's a lot of counseling that's available at very low cost. Uh, I think you need that to stabilize and get back on your feet because what I hear most is your heart is hurting. And you got to take care of that. And know that, as my late father used to say, and I heard it, Uh, the whole time he was alive in my life. He died when I was a young guy, but he always talked about life being 99 rounds. And there are times you're going to get knocked down and you got to dust yourself off and get back up. And you may need the help of friends, family, or a counselor therapy to do that. But I want to tell you, your life is not hopeless and your future potential is there. Please let me know how you're doing over time. So I want to tell you, if you've ever had to cancel or delay a trip because you're ill, or just talking about illness, the travel industry is still not doing this right. And I want to talk about the right way to treat people it's also the right way for business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I wanted to tell you, you and I are so generous trying to figure out how many tens of billions total we as taxpayers were so kind to just write checks to the nation's airlines to save their rear ends in coronavirus. A lot of other businesses didn't get handouts like the airlines did, but they have always had a politically important place in Washington. And so the airlines got not just one, but more than one, I think three bailouts total. 
accounting for tens of billions of dollars. So I want you to know as the generous soul you are, how the airlines continue to behave. And this is something that's been a beef of mine forever. So if you're sick and you have a trip, now think about what we've just been through with coronavirus. 600,000 plus Americans officially have died. Uh, public health people believe the numbers more than double that when you look at excess deaths over the COVID cycle. And airlines to this moment say one thing but do something else. The marketplace incentives from the airlines is if you're sick, you better fly or they're going to eat up your wallet. It's disgusting. Airlines that got this massive bailout from you and me believe that we're a bunch of liars and cheats. And we would just fake it that we were sick just to be able to change our plans and fly on another date. And yeah, I know, bell curve, there's going to be a certain percent of people always gaming the system. But think of this. If there's some kind of huge public health outbreak, or whatever it is, because greedy airlines that don't trust you and me say, well, you know, yeah, we're not going to charge you a penalty, but you're going to have to pay whatever the fare is if you have to wait till you're well. Most people aren't just sitting there with Fort Knox in their wallet. They're going to go sick, and they're going to make other people sick. This is wrong, wrong, wrong for airlines to put people in that position. I read a story recently that Singapore Airlines, I don't remember where I read this, but Singapore Air for years has allowed people, if they're ill, to change their travel, no fee, no penalty, same price to another date so that they don't put ill people on an airplane. It was in the Wall Street Journal, wrote about Singapore. Singapore Airlines has historically been the world's best airline or one of the best five. So they somehow are able to do it. Why do our airlines act like you and I are a den of thieves? Ridiculous. You know, for us to have been so generous to them, and I'm sure your congressman and your two senators called you and said, hey, what do you think? Let's give billions of handouts to the airlines. They don't have to pay any of it back. Let's just give it to them. Let's have corporate welfare for the nation's airlines. But nothing is required in return. You don't have to do anything right for anybody. I mean, come on. American, United, Delta, Southwest, JetBlue, Alaska, Frontier, Spirit, Allegiant, Breeze. Who have I missed? Avalo? Who else do we have? So I always like to call out individual entities instead of making it just a blob. Each of you have a responsibility to your nation and to the people you 
put in your trust every day. And you say safety is your highest priority. So why would you put somebody on your airplane who is sick because the alternative for them is they're broke? That's wrong. Sorry, that was so serious, Krista. It's okay. We have a, an, an airline question from Christopher in Georgia. He says, I booked a flight to the Bahamas with my family on a major airline. We got a notification by email that the itinerary changed. This was fine and understandable on the flight there as the flight time changed only a few hours. But on the way back, they changed us to come back a day early. What? We'd already booked the hotel and we don't want to cut our family vacation a day short. When we went to modify the flight back to the original day, the airline wanted to charge us an additional $2,000. Help. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No. Uh-uh. That's nope. not how it works. <laughs> Christopher, don't roll over on this one. They changed the flight. They did a major schedule change. They changed the date. You owe nothing for them to put you on a flight on the day you were originally on. So they made the schedule change. You can't do the change online. You've got to talk to the airline, get to a supervisor, call during key business hours. You have a better chance of getting someone who's not a contract call center who knows where in the world. Also, in the meantime, file a complaint at dot.gov against the airline. Number of complaints against airlines for this kind of stuff off the charts. So there's no doubt, no question that the scenario is as you said, the airline needs to at no cost rebook you on a return on the day you were booked on. No harm to your wallet, period. And Veronica in Florida says, after taking our first flight to finally see our adult children and grandchildren since December of 2019, I tried to book an Uber and after landing, and none of my payment methods in my account were accepted, only Venmo and PayPal. I was asked to add one of these payment methods to my account before they would allow me to book a ride. I was very hesitant to do that as there was no price provided for the ride, and I thought this could wind up being a ripoff ride. So I made other arrangements with a family member. Maybe PayPal would have legitimately worked, but I certainly did not want to add Venmo. I just want to warn others about this since Uber drivers are very scarce and ride prices are high. Yeah, this is a, uh, I've not heard about the payment problem, but a lot of people's credit cards have expired, expirations and all that. Before you take a trip that you routinely used to use Uber and Lyft, go on the apps, make sure your forms of payment are up to date and fix them if they're not before you go. Uh, you can sign in on their websites, you can sign in on the app and update the forms of payment. I just keep having this feeling like there was some scam involved in this. I've never heard of them trying to force you to use Venmo or PayPal. I, that's just never been something I've seen or heard from anybody. When should you use Venmo to pay for an Uber or Lyft ride? Never, 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 not ever, under any circumstances. As I've explained before, Venmo, Cash App, and Zelle should only ever be used to pay money to friends or family members, period. Never to a business because no consumer protections are offered. PayPal, which actually owns Venmo, PayPal has some level of consumer protections and PayPal would be a safer way to do it. 
the shortages of drivers, thank goodness, has been starting to ease some in a number of cities. But the cost of riding in an Uber or Lyft so far in, in many circumstances is substantially higher than it was before the pandemic simply because of the driver shortage that exists right now. Going back to our theme of earlier in this podcast. And Erica in New York says, I recently bought two items online with my credit card. The merchant charged me twice for the order, even though I only received one confirmation and later one physical order. So I opened a dispute for the duplicate charge. They reversed it while investigating the issue. The bank just concluded its investigation with the merchant and deemed I was responsible for the charge and reversed its reversal. They included a letter for me to fill out if I wanted to further dispute the charge and asked me to return it, and I will. I've been a loyal and good customer to this bank for many years, and this is my first dispute. Is it normal to receive pushback from the credit card company? Are they trying to see what they can get away with? What are the next steps if they still don't reverse the charge after I send the letter? Thanks for your help, Clark. I've been listening to your show since I was a teenager, and I'm a huge fan of the new podcast format. Well, Erica, thank you, and I'm really sorry this happened. We get a lot of complaints about your bank. And what I want you to do is I want you to go forward with the second dispute. At the same time, I want you to do other things as well. I want you to contact the merchant again, even if you've done so in the past, and tell them that they have, in fact, uh, disputed your chargeback for being charged twice. File a complaint at bbb.org about the merchant. In addition, I want you to file a complaint about the bank at consumerfinance.gov. And absolutely put in the redispute or whatever they called it, the second dispute. Do that. You push all these buttons, and I can't guarantee, but I can almost guarantee that the problem will be solved. If you do the BBB thing, you do the consumerfinance.gov, you do the redispute, you contact the merchant. If all four of those fail, I need to hear back from you. And I want to thank you for joining us. Please visit Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com for more money-saving advice you can trust.